everyone, and welcome to Education Checkup. I'm Johnette Magner. We're a weekly podcast here at KTBS, and we cover what is happening in education in Northwest Louisiana. I am joined today by my co-host, Dr. Philip Roseman. He is a cardiologist, but he joins us here today as an education expert and champion of education in Louisiana. He's past chairman of Blueprint Louisiana and a recipient of the Bob Hand Lifetime Distinguished Service Award by Council for a Better Louisiana. Dr. Roseman, welcome and please introduce our guest. I will, thank you very much. Uh, we're uh, spotlighting successful schools and uh, this has been really a great experience and we appreciate you coming to talk with us today from Ridgewood Middle School uh, here Thank in you for town. Uh, I have uh, Gregory O'Quinn, yes, uh, who is the principal, and um, I think a turnaround uh, specialist, more or less. <laughs> that, uh, yes, sir. We, uh, you that you've been from school to school and uh, in areas that need you know, significant improvements and, and make that happen. Tell us what about, uh, turn, a little bit about the idea of turning around schools and and um, uh, how how you became so good at that. I think a lot about when you talk about turnaround schools, you're really looking at getting into a school, looking at the data they have, and finding out where their strengths are. You know, what are they doing well, and making sure you're maximizing that and really getting the kids to push out. You know what's going well for them and at the same time find the areas where they may have some gaps and things that have happened over time and putting in new ways to get them involved it's keeping them motivated keeping them moving toward making sure that we're creating the opportunities for them to reach out to whatever their dream is well the uh, uh, one of the things that you had highlighted when you uh, gave us some information about the school was putting extended time emphasis on math and I assume literacy or, 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 mm -hmm. uh, uh, or uh, uh, English learning. Uh, how, how do you build that into the day? How are you doing that? Um, one of the things that we do is what we call double blocking. In ELA, it's been a practice that we've used in the past to where instead of having the normal traditional 45, 50 minutes for the class period, you devote 100 minutes of that time. And so it just becomes a scheduling challenge that you work out through the process of making sure that you balance the day you know, the, it, with all of their other core subjects, but providing additional time into math and ELA because those are the two areas where if you can read, there's, the world is open to you. And, and you know, nowadays, finance and math and all of those things are so crucial to a kid's success. So you really have to make sure that you can also put that time into their math skills as well, where we're seeing a lot of the gaps come from with You them. know, I think a lot of times when people get behind, when we're, we're trying to concentrate on having children be literate, you know, by the third grade, they'd mm -hmm. be on the reading level. That doesn't always happen. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes children get to middle school and they still don't be are not able to read very well is that not true and then do you have to how do you how do you take care of that child okay so one and, and unfortunately that is the case you know not everyone develops at the same pace and so you do have kids that become readers later in life with them it doesn't always happen by the third grade even though that is the target that we shoot for so when you get them into middle school with well, the biggest part of that process is, is making sure you identify the gaps that they have taking the time out and that's part of what that double block does for us it allows our teachers to plan 
for ways to implement different strategies and different things in order to get those foundational skills up, to get those kids reading again to become proficient so that that way, by the time they get to eighth grade, they are a more proficient reader and are able to be successful as they get ready to move into high school. And we do that through a variety of programs and different things we put into place and then some of the materials that we have. But it's really about digging into what each kid's gaps are, finding out what's going to work best for them and knowing that not everything is going to fit every kid. And so you take that time to look at them individually and plan during that extra time that we give them in order to meet those gaps for them. So at middle school is the age when kids are legally old enough to get on social media and play games and do a lot of things. Mm -hmm. How do you handle phone usage and all of those various distractions uh, at school, what are your policies around usage at school? Um, we're very much have the idea of, we have a, a no use policy when it comes to their personal cell phones. We make sure we provide them with plenty of, a, plenty of computers and technology for them in order to be able to engage with us. And so we try to make sure that we eliminate all of those distractions. And that's what social media does for them is if we're using that inside of the classroom, it becomes a distraction for them and takes away from the focus of what we're doing. So we really truly have a zero tolerance policy, I guess you could say about using cell phones inside of the classroom. And we only go to those type of platforms when it's something that is, used to spark their creativity and use that process but while we're going through the core of the lesson you know we definitely have a no tolerance policy on any social media with them so are the kids allowed to have a phone on them or mm -hmm. are they not allowed to even bring it to school or do they put it somewhere at school um, our kids are allowed to have their phone on them of course you know at this day and age we always want them to have access to it but while they're in school, as soon as they get to come to school, we require them to turn it off and to store it in their purse and their, you know, in our backpack or their trapper keeper. So it's always out of sight. It's never out in, in use at that point. And so that's how we handle that process with them. And they know from the time they get there till the time they leave, it needs to be powered off and stay that way for them. Is that a Caddo Parish policy or is that yours? Um, it is a Caddo Parish policy. They do have a policy on cell phone use. And, and so we stick to that policy because we found that it does work best for us to remove that distraction from them. What is, uh, you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot uh, is that not, not every child is necessarily gonna wanna go the university experience. And oftentimes, you know, children are ready, or students or adults really, are ready to go on into the work uh, workplace uh, right out of school. So, uh, but but they don't even know what careers are out there. You know, for them to 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 think about uh, their future. Mm -hmm. So, one of the things that you wrote down uh, in your description was how you at Ridgewood had are are beginning to. Uh, 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 to develop kind of career exploration, uh, things like that, to try to uh, help t uh, prepare children, you know, for make prepare people for making th future decisions about career and all. Mm -hmm. What are you doing uh, as far as career exploration and all okay. at Richwood? So a lot of one of the, we do a couple things actually. Um, one of the processes we use is in through our elective program, we have a college and career readiness you know elective that a lot of our kids go through, and it's designed really to show kids that college is an option. Of course, we want every kid to strive for that, but we also want them to understand that college isn't for everybody at times. So there is a huge world out there in the technical education and the technical side of life, and so we use that opportunity through our journey to careers 
in order to show them all of the different variety of career paths that they can choose. Some that are college-based and others that are career-based. So that's through that program and through that class, that elective with them, they get that opportunity. Now for those kids that aren't necessarily in that class, we also do a lot of you know, field trips and different things to when we go to career fairs so they can see the opportunities that are out there for them in order to give them that, that gauge of you know, where they wanna go. And always what I tell kids is, you don't always have to start down the college path. You can go down the career path, you get into high school and decide, you know what, I think I wanna go to college. And that's perfectly okay. And you can really make that opportunity. So we make sure that we let them see that you have the community college route, you have a technical college route, and you have the university route, depending on the student and what their actual interest is. You know, one of the other things that we talk about a lot is school safety, especially today's world. Tell us a little bit about how you've addressed the idea of school safety at Ridgewood. I think one of the biggest things, of course, you know, it, the physical aspect of it. You know, when our, in the mornings, all of our kids come through one main entry point so that I, they can see us every morning so that we can check on everybody as they come in through the door so that we monitor that through that process. And you have some physical, you know, different routines and procedures that we put into place at Ridgewood that are unique to us that work for us because every school has a different layout, a different system. So you have to find out what kind of routines and procedures work for you but also it's about the relationships you build with kids. And one of the greatest things that I found at every school I've been at is when you take the time to build that relationship with those kids, those kids let you know when things are going on and they're concerned about their safety as well. And that overall as a group, and I tell my kids as a family, we have to look out for each other. And so when things are going on, or if you even think something's going on, come talk to us. Let us know, you know, we're gonna look out for you because we want what's in your best interest. But you have to do that through one, you know, a couple of different ways. You can't just rely on just the simple physical measures of whether you have fences up, you know, because we have a very nice, you know, structure in place at Ridgewood when it comes to the outdoor of our facility. But at the same time, you know, not everything's foolproof. You have to have that extra in multiple ways to make sure you work with those kids. And you uh, build a sense of trust uh, with the kids and that kind of builds the school culture and the school climate. And mm -hmm. we've heard a lot of talk about school climate and the importance of that. How did you change that at Ridgewood and what did you do to really improve the school culture and climate? I think one of the biggest changes for us is just a mentality shift with the staff. That's where we started and getting everybody to buy into the, you know, we're the Ridgewood family. You know, it's, I've been at Ridgewood now for four years as principal. I was there previously as an, as an assistant principal. There's so many good things that happen at Ridgewood and it's taking the time to make sure that we spotlight those. You know, it's rebranding what goes on, making people see all of the good things that come out of Ridgewood. Things happen at school every day. You, they take what they see in the world and they automatically assume it's happening in our neighborhood. But it's not, Ridgewood is truly a neighborhood school. And so we have to take that aspect of it and really make sure people understand we've bought into taking care of the neighborhood, taking care of our kids, and making sure that we brand them ready for success and get them in that mind shift of that they can be successful. And that they have to understand that not everybody's success is not the same for everybody. And so you will be successful. It doesn't mean that just because you didn't do what somebody else did, doesn't mean you're not as equally successful. And that's how you really change that culture and that mindset so that they know they can be successful and you spotlight that with them, whether it's through different programs, awards, and a lot of times it's just that simple conversation of them recognizing, you know, you recognizing what they've done in order to done well or been successful at. What? I, I was gonna ask, I was recently with a, a group of kids and uh, I noticed how many of them didn't look at me when they, they shook my hand and I, I just saw what I would describe as a general insecurity. Mm -hmm. Do you think this generation 
has more issues with confidence than prior generations? I think there is some truth to that. And a lot of that just becomes from social media. You know, one of the worst things I think that comes out of social media is this false sense of what has to be the ideal. And, and kids have, that's all they see because there's so much technology and so much social media being pushed out there for them. And you know, they don't really understand that how much value that they have intrinsically. And so part of that process is really motivating them and reminding them, you know, that they are unique, that everyone is different in, you know, their own approach. But just because, you know, you're different and you have different likes and different things doesn't make you any less special or any less valued. And, you know, as a staff, you have to make sure that those kids understand that, provide them the opportunities to spotlight what that makes them unique and, and then really making sure. But I, I definitely agree. It's reminding kids, even when I talk to them or when the staff talks to them, we try to <coughs> re-push those values, those soft skills that we feel like, you know, a lot of kids have lost because of social media. They spend so much time behind the screen. And if they master them, they're so much further ahead uh, nowadays. So oh, absolutely. Not everybody has what we call those soft skills, um, you know, that personal relationship type skills. When I think about it, I mean, I don't know if you see this as to being true, but when I think about it, that school is really the place in which they have kind of discussions with each other. They're one-on-one, -on -one. they're in a group or talking and it's not a phone or it's not a computer you know, that you're ha talking to, but you're actually talking to other people. Mm -hmm. uh, so it makes it even harder, I think, uh, on y'all to, to, to put that forward. Uh, Absolutely, and I think one, and I will say, one of the things that's really done great for us is our districts provided us with some very, you know, deeply intensive training for on our new, on tier one curriculum. And, but part of that curriculum is, you know, that conversational piece. It's getting kids to talk to each other and providing them that opportunity. And when you do that inside of the classroom, you help build that camaraderie and you also build that soft skill with them. And so the curriculum that we use helps us with that process because there is into it a lot of built things where they have to converse with each other before that we share it out and, and making sure that you partner up or you do it in a group of three. That really helps, you know, you know push that sense of conversation and trying to get them to get, look you in the eye and understand you know how that process works absolutely Can, how do you keep parents engaged how do you how do you see that um I, I think a lot of it is you you know there's always the traditional ways you know it's simple as picking up the phone and, and it, it's gotten harder and harder because we're so used to now emails and texts and things but i encourage my staff to make sure that they're constantly calling parents and you always call good and bad, you know, things that, you know, if kids, somebody had a bad day, you want to talk about that, but you also want to talk about making sure they understand when they have good days, what have they succeeded in? And kids really respond to that as well. And, and so you push that through that process with them. You know, as far as that, I make sure my parents and even my teachers understand that, you know, we are gonna, you need to be engaged with them at all types of events. I mean, whether it's sporting events, you know, music concerts, any of the things that we have going on at school, or even through, we try now move into the social platform of it. We keep constant contact through Facebook. We use um, Remind as a way to send out messages to parents, just trying to keep them as much in the loop as possible. And, and then when it comes time where, you know, we have those opportunities where we do the old fashioned parent conferences, mm -hmm. like, you know, we've always grown up to, because nothing's better than a face-to-face -face conference to make sure that everybody's on the same page to help their kid really succeed. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, uh I guess, hard, as I see it, it's harder and harder as, as time goes on to, to teach. I mean, it's, it's always been hard work. It's become harder work as teachers take on more and more responsibilities, you know, in our uh, society. So how, how do you keep, um, keep the morale up mm -hmm. of teachers? How do you, how do you uh, 
give them the good old boys or good old girls or whatever it is that <laughs> that uh, that makes them want to get them. Huh? Attaboy. Attaboy. Yes, attaboy. Okay. <laughs> true. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That's what you're trying to And yeah. it's, you know, a lot of it comes down the same way we reward our kids. You know, you recognize them when you recognize students that are doing as well so that everybody sees that we're working together to make that process go. You know, one of the things that we do is I make sure, you know, we feed the staff every month to make sure that they have an opportunity to step away from their role as the teacher, come together with their colleagues, and just have that ability to connect peer to peer. So they feel that family atmosphere that I really want our you know, teachers and our staff to understand. That's how we approach everything. Because when things happen in life, you spend, we spend so much time with each other you know, during the day. These are people that are gonna support you and help you. And I encourage my staff to make sure that they take those opportunities to support each other. And if they're doing things outside of work to take time to go visit, go see them. But then I remind them, you know, for me, when I leave work, I leave it there. You know, you have to be able to try to get things done, and especially if you have kids. You come home, you spend that time, and you take the opportunity to balance both of those. It's difficult. Some days it doesn't work. I mean, y'all know that as well, even in your own job. Oh, Some yeah. days you have to take <laughs> things home, and that happens, but we try to make sure you remember, at the end of the day, your kids are only young once, just like ours are. So you want to make those moments special for them and take that time to de-stress for yourself. Find something you enjoy doing. I love to travel, so for me, that's what is my release. That's what helps me recharge. And I find, you know, after even for a weekend, going away for a day or two, when I come back, I'm ready and prepared for a new week and reinvigorated for that week. So I encourage my staff to take care of those opportunities as well. That's great. What are your, what are your uh, most, what do you see as your most important successes? What are, what are you most proud of at Ridgewood? I think what I, right now, the biggest thing that I'm most proud of is, you know, that our letter grade. We have improved from an F-rated school into a D-rated school. You know, that's, to me, the biggest accomplishment that we have so far. But in that process, there were so many things that went into it to make yeah. it there. You know, we've increased the opportunities for electives for our kids. We're getting our kids out into the community more. I'm really big on community service. I want our kids to do their community service inside of our community. We look for those opportunities first and then we move out into Shreveport. And so getting them involved in those things. Of course, our athletic success has been really well. You know, we just won our second city championship in a row with our football team, so that's great for them. But I also, you know, just really want to make sure people understand that it's not about academic. It's not always about athletic. It's extracurricular. And like one of the biggest things we had this year was our first year that we had a 100% pass rate on our Algebra 1 EOC as an eighth grader. And out of those kids, 84% of them had a mastery, you know, in order to there, which is the second to highest level. To, had a mastery or higher, I should say, right. which is, you know, the top two levels for that test. Those right there are some of the biggest successes for us as a mm -hmm. school to be able right. to celebrate and get behind and be able to encourage our kids to let everyone see the good things that are going on at Ridgewood that, you know, are across the board. Because it's about raising a whole child. At the end of the day, you can't focus on one area. And so our successes have to be you know, spread out in there as well. And so the extracurricular activities are important. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and moving things forward, even at the middle school level. So mm -hmm. yes, sir. listen, uh, appreciate it so much, this conversation. It's uh, been very enlightening for us and I appreciate the success that's going on for the teachers and, and, and the administration leadership at Ridgewood. There's a couple of questions that we ask everybody mm -hmm after this uh, then here first is about words of wisdom do you have any words of wisdom either to to the community to the school or just your general words of wisdom that you want to share um the thing i would say when you say words of wisdom it's nothing new you know that you know i would tell them but i tell all my parents you know just be involved you know it's as simple as asking your kid when they come home 
Just ask them, if nothing else, what's one thing you learned today? Or what's one thing mm -hmm. you did today? Because you have to take that opportunity to show you're invested in them, invested in what goes on at school for them to be able to take it serious as well. Uh, you know, and recognize that every kid is different, every kid's unique, and celebrate that uniqueness for them. Because that's, at this age, especially in middle school, they really need someone who's gonna champion them and you know and really celebrate what goes on with them and uh, you know it doesn't take much just it takes you know 30 seconds just ask them how things went today tell me something yeah. you learned and, and really show them you're involved with them and at the end of the day it doesn't have to be about college and career we want every kid ready to go to college but it expose them to career like we do show them what goes on just to give them an opportunity to show them that the world is open to them it's whatever they can dream we want to help them achieve it yeah. well, I'm sure there are a lot of places around the country not just in our state, they look for people like you that are really good at turning around schools. So our last question is really, why'd you stay here? Why, why, what about Shreveport-Bossier uh, and this area drew you here, kept you here, and uh, uh, had you stay in here uh, to live after adult life? And it's odd because I'm not from the area. I'm originally from South Louisiana. I moved here to go to school um, and then Life kind of called, me, education mm -hmm. called me back. You know, I came back into the classroom and, and you know, this became home. This is where my family is for me. And so that's what's really kind of kept me here. I love the area and, and I love the opportunity. There's a lot of things that go on here that people don't recognize or under, you know, know that's out there. But at the same time, there's so much that's within three to four hours of being able to get there. And there's so many opportunities, but it still gives you, you know, a small town to at times feeling, you know, that closeness that you can have but you still have a bigger city with all of the options and all of the different mm -hmm. opportunities for success and you know, foreign life. And that's really what's kept me here is my family, you know, the family that I've made here because I don't have any natural family here. It it's all become from, you know, the friends and the people that I've worked with that have become my family that really make this home for me. And I really want to make sure that I've give back to where, you know, my career has come from. I've been here now 20 years, you know, in education. I've I love the kids that I work with. I love what I do and I love the system and I want to be able to help as many people, you know, understand that opportunity is there. You know, I had a great opportunity going through school, you know, very supportive teachers, very supportive staff. And I want to be able to build that within not just our school, within all our schools within the district and anybody in this area that's willing to make sure that we're doing it for the right way and keeping it all about the kids at the end of the day. That's great. Listen, we thank you for what you've done, what you're oh, doing in the absolutely. community. And we greatly appreciate what you're doing for the southwest part of town, too, in, in the smaller community. But uh, thanks again for your work uh, on behalf of our, our kids and our community. So uh, thank you Thank you all so much for the opportunity. I mean, I just being able to help push it out there to get more people inspired. I, I just can't thank you all enough for spotlighting us and giving, us, giving me the opportunity to help others as well. Well, thank, thank you. you. And thank you to all of you for joining us for Education Checkup. You can view our other podcasts anywhere you listen to them or go to our website at ktbs.com slash podcast. Have a good day and join us next time for Education Checkup.